Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Ephesians chapter 5, the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to continue in our study. And it's so beautiful how the Lord has us on the subject matter of the family. Uh, last week, uh, we looked at an exhortation for wives. Uh, and today, the Lord has us on husbands. And next week, Lord willing, children. That's when we see uh, chapter 6, verse 1. We see children. Uh, but today, last week, wives. Next week, children. Today, husbands, and to my beautiful brothers in Christ whom I love, uh, I can't stress enough how much I love you, uh, but we're going to look at some passages which are very, very important for us to apply in our lives uh, for the Lord, in obedience to the Lord. Uh, now, for my uh, uh, unmarried brothers, I love you too. These are things that if you do get married, uh, if you're single now and you do get married, remember these things. Bind them to your heart. Bind them to your mind so that we all can apply them to our lives. We see here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, my beautiful husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Notice no period. No period. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Very important when we see here, gave himself for her. This is surrendered himself for her. That's how it translates, to surrender himself for her. Now, we see in verse 22, wives submit to your husband. But then we see in verse 25, husbands uh, uh, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and surrendered himself for her. You see, living sacrificially, you see. Remember, Jesus Christ died for the church and he poured out everything. How you treat your wife to my married brothers, how you treat your wife. When does Jesus do that to you? I meant, ask yourself this question. If the manner in which you treat your wife, if it is in, if it is the same manner that Jesus does to you, rejoice. But if you measure your life by the truth of Holy Scripture and you are found, you are placed in the balance of Scripture and found wanting, you need to repent. Same for me. We're in the same boat. I need to repent. You need to repent. If the manner in which we treat our wives is different than Jesus Christ treats you, husband, then we as husbands need to repent. Remember, Jesus Christ died for the church. You see, it's so powerful when we consider all these things, the truth of Holy Scripture. And yes, it's true, a biblical truth for wives to submit to your own husbands, as we studied last week, we see it in verse 22, submission to your husband, you see? But then for the husband, yes, there is submission to Jesus Christ, but at the same time, how we remember and know that Jesus Christ gave himself for her, surrendered himself for her. A lot of times what happens among the husband community is we get in a situation where we like to say, oh, you know, wife, you have to submit to me. A lot of husbands, they don't know anything about the Bible, but they know uh, chapter 5, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands. And a lot of times husbands get themselves into a power trip. Oh, wife, you have to submit to me. You have to submit to me without realizing that the formula is wrong in their lives. Most of the time, not all the time, 
When I say not all the time, that those are mature Christians. Those who are carrying their cross, those who have reckoned the old man dead, those who are crucified with Christ. But as you remember, our studies through Galatians and you know the early chapters of Ephesians, is every person crucified with Christ? Somebody said, oh, I'm crucified with Christ. Come on, I do my crack. God is, God is love. You know, I do my crack. I do my sex. I do my alcohol. But I'm crucified with Christ. You know, it begs the question, do we really see crucifixion? Is the old man really dead? You see? Oh, don't you don't judge lest you be judged. Come on. Let's let's be honest with ourselves here. You see, let us be a people that not makes excuses for sin, nor do we take advantage of God's grace, but understand what the truth of his holy word says, especially for husbands. To love our wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for or surrendered himself for her. Now, notice what we see here. When the formula is right, now, not to suggest that there's any wrongness in what the, what Jesus Christ does for the church. Look at what Jesus Christ, you know, when when in verse 25, he says, Sir, give, gave himself for her, for her. Now we see in verse 26 that he, speaking of Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's what Jesus Christ does for the church. And the word of God, the spirit of the Lord says to Paul, hey, Paul, write this down so that the saints can know what to do when they get married. The saints who are males, when they get married and they turn into husbands so that they can know what to do. The same thing that Jesus Christ does for the church is the same thing that you, husband, can do unto your wife, living sacrificially, not submitting yourself to to her, but surrendering yourself for her. As we see written here in verse 25, you say, oh, you know, oh, the, the wife has to submit to me and I sanctify her and I cleanse her. And, you know, I, I, this is what I do for my wife. Well, the formula must be right. The formula must be right in you, man. It has to be right. Because you remember how last week we looked at, you know, yes, it is a biblical truth for a wife to submit to her own husband. Yes, it is a biblical biblical truth and beautiful, but it's very dangerous when the formula is wrong. Now, husband, if the formula is wrong in you, it is very dangerous. When the formula is wrong in you, what doesn't happen is what we see coming into play in verse 26 and 27. That is excluded. That is out of the picture. Why? Because the formula is wrong in you. You say, well, I do this for my wife. Look, the Bible says that, you know, just as Christ does to the church, I do it for my wife. Well, hold on. Is it you or is it Christ in you? It is the latter. It is Christ in you. You see? Well, I still want to do my sex and drugs and alcohol and my Buddha and my strippers and my occult and my Ouija boards. I still want to do that. No, that's the old man. You need to reckon the old man dead. You see? Because Christ in you wouldn't do that. You see? 
These are very serious subject matter because we look in the church today, the last day's church. You can look at the world and the church and you see no difference in marriages. You say, oh my goodness, this is impossible. This is impossible. How was this accomplished? Well, number one, the formula must be right. You and me in submission to the real Jesus. And when there's submission to the real Jesus, something else happens. The power from the real Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, which is also a seal, a marking for the saints, men, women, young, old, this power of the Holy Spirit. This is how a wife submits to her husband. This is how a husband loves his wife, just as Christ also loved the church. And when the formula is right, it is exquisitely beautiful. I know of a guy who almost murdered his wife. Attempted murder. This same guy His wife became ill, was in the hospital for an extended period of time, several weeks. The head nurse, the head nurse of ICU uh, recovery team, the head nurse, she says, I've been a nurse for 40 plus years. And I have never, ever seen a husband love his wife like you. She says to him, you're teaching men how to be husbands. Now, how is that accomplished? A guy almost murders his wife. And all of a sudden, for this head nurse to say this to him. How is that accomplished? It's supernatural. Intellect, logic, whatever the therapist says, whatever doctors say, whatever pastors say. It's supernatural. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can change a mind, can change a heart. Only him gives a new spirit, a new heart. Only he can take a hard heart of stone and turn it into beautiful soft jello. Only the Lord can do that. And since we know that Jesus Christ is the only one that can do that. Husband, look at what he can do unto your wife. Using you as a vessel. And just as Jesus Christ in verse 26 sanctifies and cleanses the church with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot, remember, nothing mangy or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. You can do the exact same thing for your wife, but is it you? Or is it Christ in you? You see? And it is the latter. Remember, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone in your heart. And the Holy Spirit building brick by brick by brick by brick. It's not just to build. You are a temple of the Lord. I mean, if you're, if, if, if you believe in Jesus Christ, And you're obedient to him. You're abiding in him. And I don't want to sound, you know, like, you know, works-based. A lot of times people say, oh, that's works-based. That's works-based. No, it's obedience-based. 
Remember, when that happens, obedience unto him and submission to his word. Remember, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone and the Holy Spirit building brick by brick by brick. It's not just to build for the sake of building. It's his temple. And when we read the passages in the Old Testament about the temple of the Lord, that is a holy place. It's how you and me move on to perfection, living sacrificially unto the Lord in 100% submission to Jesus Christ. Well, how do I know how to submit to Jesus Christ? How do I know how to submit to Jesus? How do I know what that looks like? I wonder, husband, I wonder if you have a woman at your side who has said her vows before you and the Lord who lives in submission to you as is pleasing to the Lord and she is teaching you how to submit. I wonder. You see? Now you see how marriage is a beautiful institution. But, you know, Jesus Christ said when the disciples were like, it seems like, you know, it's better not to marry. But Jesus says, not everybody can accept this. Even Paul, he says, you know, uh, this is just a suggestion, he says. He says, I wish you would remain as I am so that we can please the Lord, which is to be unmarried. But he says, if you can't control yourself sexually, you know, get married. You see? But this is a biblical truth. Husbands, love your wives in verse 25, just as Christ also loved the church and surrendered, gave himself for her. Not, not submitting to her. Surrendering, him, surrendering himself for her. You see? It just so happens that I happen to believe that eight hours of sleep is way too much. A lot of people, they, oh yeah, the doctor says I need my 10 hours of sleep. I need my beauty rest. And if I don't get, man, if I get six hours of sleep, I'm a mess. I think eight hours is too much. Four? Eh, four is good. You wake up in the morning. You say, wife, stay in bed. You want the, the finest pancakes from Chiapas, Mexico? I got this. You want to sleep until four in the four in the afternoon? You want to sleep until two in the afternoon? You want to stay in bed all day? Fine. I'm going to surrender myself for you, wife. So that wife can have her moments of rest. Wife, I'll make you, I'll bring you the finest pancakes from Chiapas, Mexico. Don't sweat it. Just stay here. What's that, wife? You want lunch? Don't worry, wife. I'll take care of it. You just relax. Take a load off. You see? Remember that Jesus Christ died for the church. He died for you, husband. When does Jesus Christ, you know, oh, wife, don't come to me. Wife, don't come to me. Because look, you're getting a little chubby. You get a little too wrinkly. You're, you're, you're turning gray. You know, wife, I don't like how, you know, you look anymore. Wife, you know, why don't you wear the makeup like this? Hey, wife, why don't you do this? Wife, why don't you go to the gym, work out? I don't like those love handles, wife. But husband, when does Jesus Christ ever say that to you? When does Jesus Christ say, I will not accept you unless? The answer is never. So why is it, husbands, 
that we do that to our wives. And I speak from a corporate uh, perspective here. Men, why is it that we do this to our wives? Knowing that Jesus Christ never does that to us. Never. You see, it's powerful. And just as we looked at last week, we see situations where men are babies. The problem is men, if you stay a baby, men, if you are, you know, little ping pong head or peanut head, maybe smaller than a ping pong, little peanut head, which is fine. It's beautiful to be a, a peanut head for, you know, if you're a baby. I mean, even like, you know, babies when they're, you know, in the womb, that even they have heads that are smaller than a peanut. But not forever. It grows. It matures. The problem comes, husband, if you stay ping pong head. That's a big problem. Because it means you're not moving on to maturity. And if you're not moving on to maturity, it becomes very dangerous for your wife to submit herself to you. Why? Because of your disobedience to the Lord. You see? It's a double whammy for husbands. Because there is surrender for the wife. But there is also submission to Jesus Christ. You see, as Jesus Christ in, in submission to his father, but in surrender to for the church. You see, it's a double whammy for Jesus Christ too. Submission to his father and, you know, surrender for the church. But it's the exact same with husbands. Surrender to Jesus Christ but surrender for his bride, for his wife. Not wife number two, three, four, not girlfriend on the side, not girlfriend number three, four, five on the side, not the strippers, nothing like that. When the formula is right, it's Jesus and the submission to the Father, husbands in submission to Jesus, wives in submission to, to the husband, and then kids, kids in submission to the parents. That's, that's the formula. The formula must be right. Jesus' submission, submission to the Father for the husband. I mean, for the church, but in a marriage situation. For the husband, which trickles down to the wife and kids, but the formula must be right. Husband, if you go off into crazy town and do your crack and your sex and your alcohol and your Ouija boards and your strippers and your gambling, you do that, you are outside the formula. Wife, if she's in 100% submission to you, she is no longer under Jesus Christ. She remains under Jesus Christ. She the, the formula goes, you know, God the Father to Jesus Christ. Now Jesus Christ to the wife. And the wife is holding on to you with one hand and to the kids with the other hand. It's beautiful for the kids because they're, just, they're, they're still under this model. But that's not the optimum. And it's not good for you because you might be saved through your wife, husband, if that's the case. Much better is it for husbands, my beautiful brothers whom I love. Much better is it for the husband. Rather than be disobedient to Jesus Christ. It's much better for husbands to humble himself before the Lord. And get to his proper place which is under Jesus Christ, 100% submission to Jesus Christ. You see, and when that happens, now we see this formula come into play. 
Verse 26, it's now in play. The biblical model like Jesus Christ does for the church, husband, you can do for your wife. Except it's not you per se, it is Christ in you. This new wine which flows from above. It's like, you know, the the fondue. You know, you have different layers of fondue. You have, you know, little vessel above vessel above vessel above vessel. But then it all pours down. Everything must be, you know, one above the other, one below the other. Everything must, everything flows down vertically. That's the model. Husband goes crazy. Wife still stays under this model, the biblical model. Wife goes crazy. uh, Husband stays under the biblical model. When husband and wife go crazy, that's bad. But the kids still stay under the biblical model. Where you have this hardcore wife, you have to submit to me. Yes, it's beautiful when the formula is right, but you know, not mandate. You can't mandate that. But a wife to submit into her, unto her husband, it is beautiful when the formula is right. When the formula is wrong, it's very dangerous because a husband can say, hey, wife, I'm, I'm going to go do crack. You have to submit to me, so come with me. And wife does it thinking that she's obeying the Lord, but she's in disobedience. And then kids, okay, mom, dad, I'm going to submit to you because the Bible, it's pleasing to the Lord. So now the kids are dragged into that lifestyle. All is a mess. When that happens, but when the formula is right and when the formula is known and understood, now we see verse 26 come into play that he, speaking of Jesus, a godly covering unto the church, Jesus Christ, the same way a husband is a beautiful godly covering to the wife and kids, but the formula must be right. When the formula is wrong, that's a dangerous covering. Wives, you don't want to be under the covering when the formula is wrong. Kids, you don't want to be under the covering when the formula is wrong. You stay under the covering of Jesus Christ also. If husband wants to go crazy, that's 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 his business. You see, if wife wants to go crazy, that's his business. If kids want to go crazy, that's their business. You see? Now we can go on rescue missions and save as through fire like we see in Jude. But at the same time, we must understand that this biblical model, the formula must be right. And when the formula is right, verse 26 is in play. Husbands, this is what you do unto your wife. And it's Christ in you that he might sanctify and cleanse her. No period. With the washing of water by the word, you see, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, translates as a noble, honorable, glorious, and gorgeous church. Not having spot, remember, nothing mangy. Remember our studies through the Old Testament? Nothing mangy. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, nothing mangy. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. You see? And this can happen right here, right now. Husband, when you submit yourself to Jesus Christ and get in your proper place in that fondue model, so to speak. You in submission to Jesus Christ for, for, in in surrender for your wife. You see, 
It's submission to Jesus Christ, but for the benefit of another, for the advantage of another, for the cleansing of another, just as Jesus Christ in submission to the Father for the benefit, for the advantage, for the blessing of another, which is the church, you, husband. And since we know the biblical model in this holy formula, you do likewise, husband. You see? I meant for a wife, last week's study was difficult because it's hard to say to a wife, wife, submit to your husband, but the formula formula must be right. Your husband wants pancakes? Your husband wants pancakes? Fine, pancakes. Your husband wants to do crack? No, no crack. I'm not going to submit to that. It's difficult to say that. It's very necessary to say it, but it's difficult because I don't want that in marriages. I want the fondue model. You know, using that using that picture, I want the fondue model. I want, you know, Jesus Christ above everyone. I want Jesus Christ to be, you know, the husband in submission to Jesus Christ. The wife in submission to the husband, which is also submission to Jesus Christ because the wife is under the husband who is under Jesus Christ. You see? And then the kids in submission to the parents. Everything, it's a, like perfect vertical line, straight up. Straight up, straight down. And the fondue flows. This holy wine from above. New wine. In new vessels. The problem comes when we don't reckon the old man dead, husbands. All of a sudden, we leave that model. Now the new wine still flows into the wife. But now you're excluded. Now you're no longer new wineskin. You're going back to the old ways, the Old wineskin and old wineskin cannot hold new wine. It can for a little bit, but in the course of time, holes will form in old wineskin because the new wine is too powerful. And then the new wine will flow away outside of that vessel. That's when we get into Hebrews 6, the re-crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It's impossible. It can't be done. That's why we stay under the biblical model for the married people. You see? Look at how verse 26 comes into play. Verse 27 is in play when the model is correct. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she, she, she should be holy and without blemish. You see? Now, husbands, when does Jesus Christ ever force you to submit to him? When does Jesus Christ say, Men, you will submit to me and bow before me and do whatever I say. When does he ever say that? The answer is never. The real Jesus, never. A faith Jesus might. But the real Jesus never demands submission. You, my beautiful brother, you have to choose submission. You see? A lot of men get in this machismo attitude. Oh, look, wife, I'm the leader. I'm the spiritual leader. A lot of guys, they can't find their way out of a wet paper sack. And they want to say, oh, I'm the leader of my home. No, you have to learn it. You learn leadership from Jesus Christ. You see, the formula must be right. And when you see this in a marriage... When you see this in a home, kids or no kids, when you see this in a marriage, 
And when they do have kids, when you see it in the kids and you see that the formula is right, you know what you're looking at? You're looking at pastor material. And we're going to study this hardcore when we get into our pastoral epistles in Timothy and Titus. But when you see the formula right in marriages, in homes, you're looking at pastor material. Women pastors can't touch this. Women pastors, not only is it un, it's not doctrinal, not only is it not sound, not only that, but physically, is it, is, it is impossible for you to teach this by example. You know why? Because in you, the formula is wrong, woman pastor. And I know a lot of pastors who listen to these messages. Now, if you're a female pastor, which I see a lot of in the Episcopals, Lutheran, Methodists, if that is you, woman pastor, you need to repent, you need to step down, and you need to jump ship. I say to you, come out of her, my people. Get a new pastor, get a new teacher. Because we're living in the last days. And if this is the condition of your state, when Jesus Christ comes, you're in trouble, woman pastor. You see? And I don't want that for you. Coverings, always male. Pastors, always male. Elders, always male. Coverings, always male. Remember, even Esther had Mordecai. Always male. Women, pastors, can't even come near this. You see? And when you see the formula right in a marriage... You're looking at pastor material. Now, there are wives who can disqualify their husbands because the two become one flesh. Whether or not that happens, that's between a husband and his wife. Spiritually, it, it, it must happen. Spiritually speaking, it must happen. It needs to happen. But whether or not a husband and wife live in submission to the word, that's between them and the Lord. But I say to you, we as a people of the way, we need to live in complete and total submission to what the Word of God teaches, yielding to the Word, yielding to His Spirit. But wives who enter crazy town of pastors, wives of pastors who enter crazy town, you disqualify your husbands from being pastor or elder. See, you have a pastor, but then the wife's alcoholic. The wife wants to do her drugs. The wife wants to go grave soaking. The wife wants to do, you know, do her sex on the side. You say, oh, but the guy, he's such a great pastor. That's nice. Because of the wife, the two became one. Spiritually, whether or not it happened, that's between them. But the Bible says it needs to happen. That's why the Bible teaches, Brother James, inspired of the Spirit, let not many be teachers. It's a different ballgame for teachers, pastors, and elders. It's a completely different ballgame. We're held to a stricter account. And a lot of wives want to do their drugs, alcohol, their gambling. They want to do their ladies' night. They want to do whatever. And if you're a pastor's wife, you disqualify your husband. You disqualify your husband from being a pastor or being an elder. You see, I'm just a messenger. 
But when you see the formula right in a home, you're looking at pastor material. It's very powerful. That's why sometimes husbands say, well, look, you know, look, uh, uh, I'm the leader of my home and my wife has to submit to me. And when my wife submits to me, I sanctify her, I cleanse her, I wash her by the word and I do all these things. And look, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. Wait a second. Hold on a second. Hold the phone there. My beautiful friend, my beautiful brother, hold the phone. Is it you or is it Christ in you? You see? And since the word of God teaches us in verse 26 and verse 27 what Jesus Christ does for the church, that's what he does for the church. And if you're going to do that for your wife, the formula must be right in your heart, in your mind. You must be crucified with Christ. Because when you're crucified with Christ, look at Look at all the things of Holy Scripture which comes into play when you are crucified with Christ. Look at Paul. He says, I'm crucified with Christ, but look at Paul. Look at Acts. Look at his hands. Look at his feet. Look at what he says in the book of Acts. Look at his heart being poured out on the pages of the Corinthian letters and the Galatian letters and the Ephesian letters. And we're not done. The formula is right in Brother Paul, and it just so happens that he's not married. <laughs> he, meets, he makes the suggestion, I wish you would remain as I am single so that we can please the Lord. Young people, unmarried people, never ever forget the better husband of the better marriage. And I speak of Jesus Christ. A lot of young people eager to get married. But we have to keep these things in mind. Because there's a lot of things to consider. You know, I've spoken to many couples in their marriages. And it's sad. It breaks my heart. Because how beautiful a marriage can be. But there's all these preconceived notions. Oh, look, the wife's not submitting to me. Well, how can she? That's wickedness, husband. How can she? You want your wife to do this? You want your wife to do this? You want? How can she? That is wickedness. You are carnal. You see? And then since that's the case, look at the things that are out of play through the carnality of the husband. Look at the things that are out of play. Just like we see in verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. If through carnality, these verses can be out of play. And I don't want that for you, husband. You see? And when the formula is right, this beautiful fondue, which new wine pours out and it's vertical, it goes up, it goes down. And when I say it goes up, that means, you know, kids unto parents, uh, wife unto husband, husband unto Jesus, Jesus unto the father. That's the model from the bottom up. But from the top down, same exact direction, but this new wine flows. And when you see that, very, very rare. Very rare. But when you see that, behold, that's pastor material. You see? Teachers, feeders of the flock of God, 
protectors of the flock of God. Why? Because they're protectors of their home. The model is right in their home. They're not a novice. They've, they've matured to the point of death. Biblical maturity in Christ is death, my beautiful friend. My beautiful brothers. Maturity in Christ is death. You see? Be crucified. Be, be ye crucified. And I speak spiritually. I don't mean, you know, jump off a bridge. I'm talking about carrying your cross, reckoning the old man dead. Because look at all these beautiful passages which are now in play when the formula is right by your decision to choose submission to Jesus Christ. Giving yourself for your wife, for your kids. Oh, but I need my eight hours of beauty sleep. Way too much. This is coming from a guy that thinks four hours is plenty. I don't have time to surrender. I don't have time to do this. Look, if you slept last night, you have time. You see? Oh, but I bring home the bacon. Look, I got this job and I bring home the bacon. That's nice. Don't forget the sugar. You see? So many times I talk to husbands. Oh, look, my marriage is in shambles. Why, brother? Oh, my wife has let herself go. What? What are you talking about? Oh, my marriage is in shambles. Why? Well, my wife doesn't want to do this. My wife doesn't do this anymore. Look, my wife's cooking is like this. Come on. We're, we're not little babies. Let's not play the game, the, the blame game. Let's not play the victim card. We're not snowflakes. You see? And I talk to husbands all the time. And virtually all the time. It's a matter of dying. Husbands need to die. And a lot of husbands live in regret. Oh, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have been here. I shouldn't be in this situation. So I think I'm going to get divorced. What do you think about it? Should I get a divorce? No, the Lord hates divorce. Was your wife sexually unfaithful to you? No. Okay. No grounds. You have no biblical grounds. It's a done deal. Oh, I don't like that. What do you mean? If I go to this church, I can get a divorce. No big deal. Look, I don't want you to go, but that's what the Bible says. And we yield to the word of God. We submit to the word of God. Remember, the word became flesh. You see? It's very, very important to understand these things. Not to make excuses for the flesh. A lot of men, oh, I regret marrying her. I should have never married You should have thought about that. Nobody had a gun to your head to say, hey, you got to date this lady. Nobody had a gun to your head to say, hey, you're forced to, you're forced to date this lady. Look at all the opportunities you had. I mean, number one, you said like, you know, you know, what's your phone number? <laughs> you didn't have to ask that. I don't know how they do it now, but you know, what's your number? That's number one. That's, that's you, husband. You did that. Then you, you know, formalize courtship by, you know, 
you know, let's court. I don't know how it happens, you know, but, you know, you know let's court. And so you, that's on you, husband. And then, you know, husband, will you marry me? That This is on you. Nobody had a gun to your head. Will you marry me? And then when you're married, the minister says, you know, is there anybody here who objects? Now, look at, you could have said no. But then there's another question, okay? Do you take this woman to be your wife? And you say, I do. That's, that's more than a triple whammy. This is a product of your own doing, you see? And I don't want to sound fatalistic in saying, oh, now that you're in, you know, you know, once you check in, you can't check out. But a lot of husbands are in misery. Why? Not because of their wife, but because of themselves. No submission to Jesus Christ. Oh, but I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, but don't forget, husband, even the demons believe. But they don't obey. Oh, I'm just a youngster in Christ. I'm just a youngster. Okay, if you're a baby in Christ, beautiful. But you need to grow. You need to mature. Don't be ping pong head. Don't be less mature. Don't be peanut head. If you're a peanut head, you know, praise be to the Lord. You became a believer, you know, yesterday. But if you've been a Christian for five years or more, and you're still peanut head or ping pong head, you're in trouble. You need to repent. And I love you, my beautiful brothers. I love you. But you need to repent. These are things that a woman pastor cannot teach. She has no business teaching this. She's disqualified from teaching this. Why? Because she has zero experience. She can't have the experience. Woman pastor, I love you. You need to repent. Step down and leave the fellowship where you're at because that is a poor model. You need a new teacher, someone who will teach you the truth of God's holy word. And you need to submit to him a new pastor. Get a new pastor. You see, the formula must be right. It's a beautiful formula. But a lot of husbands I talk to, oh, I'm so miserable. I'm so miserable. You should have thought about that. But now that you're in, remember, we're speaking to husbands. Not just men in general, we're speaking specifically to husbands. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Just like he did for you, husband. And just like he does for you, husband. Never demanding, hey, husband, guy, you want to come to me? Okay, you better go to the gym. Guy, you want to come to me? I don't like the love handles. Guy, you want to come to me? I don't like the wrinkles. Jesus Christ never does that to you. So why in the world do husbands do that to their wives? That's what I want to know. No, husbands, you need to die. Carry your cross, the instrument of death. And be crucified with Christ. You see? And it's so powerful when we see verse 26 and verse 27 when they are in play. In a fellowship, yes, it's beautiful. But specifically, we're speaking about a marriage. When it is in play in a marriage. Oh, I need my beauty rest. 
I don't have time for this. I, I need my beauty rest. I need to sleep my 10 hours. My doctor says I need to sleep my 10 hours. Way too much. That's six hours way too much. Six hours more than plenty. Arguably, you could say maybe eight hours more than plenty, but we'll be gracious. Way too much. Oh, but I bring home the bacon. I bring home the bacon. I'm the leader of my home. I bring home the bacon. Be careful. Be careful with pride. Be careful with pride and arrogance. Because when those things set in and they they can, remember the threat is always there. We need that heart of yours, my beautiful brother. We need your heart to be softer than the softest jello. But through pride and arrogance and selfishness, mix in some other things. But those are the biggies. Pride and selfishness. A heart can go from jello to balsa to maple to oak to pine and then to rock. That's the wrong direction. We don't want to go that direction. And without submission to Jesus Christ, that's the direction a soul can go. The hardening of the heart through the deceitfulness of sin. And the deceitfulness of sin enters several ways, many ways, one of which is sound doctrine. The formula must be right. See, you know how easy it is for a wife to apply verse 22 in her life in submission to Jesus Christ when a husband is living sacrificially unto Jesus Christ, but for the benefit of her, for her advantage, surrendering himself for her, just as Jesus Christ does for the church. Do you know how much easier it is for verse 22 to come into play? You see, and it's beautiful. And you see it. You have to look at the fruit. Jesus Christ says you will know. You have to look at the fruit. That's how you'll know. Look at the fruit. You see people faking it all the time. The husband has a smile on his face. But then you see the demeanor of the wife. She's like slave class. And you know, okay. You know what you're dealing with. Because you look at the fruit. You know, that's that's the game the husband wants to play. And you see it a lot. Sadly, among pastors. Oh, I'm the leader. Look, the Lord has called me to be leader of my home. And he's called me to be leader of this fellowship. And when you see that among pastors and elders, if you're in a church and you see that, you need to leave. You need to leave. Because it's dangerous. It is the wrong formula. And sometimes you see, wow, you know, godly husband, this guy is a man of God. But man, the wife is psycho. Well, that's a dangerous, that's very dangerous too. And wives really mess it up for husbands who are in ministry, pastors and elders. And a pastor needs to tell the co-pastor and sometimes the elders, hey, You got to step down. I love you. You got to step down. But your wife is psycho. You see? The wives mess it up for the husbands. It happens. 
But when the formula is right, it is so breathtaking in the husband, in the wife, and it's safe for the kids. It is stupendous, beautiful. That fragrance is holiness before the Lord. And those with eyes can see it. Those without eyes will hate it because it's holy. And so we see this in verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives. Husbands ought to love their own wives. You see, not, you know, wife number two, three, four, girlfriend number one, two, three, four, stripper number eight, nine, ten, eleven, prostitute number 10, 11, 12, 13. No. No. I don't get pastors nowadays. What's so hard about teaching the word of God so that men in fellowships can learn, wow, you know, prostitutes are bad. You know, prostitutes are, you know, you know, strippers, bad news. Don't go near the stripper, uh, 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 pornography, bad news. Don't go near the pornography. Don't go near the dirty magazines. Don't go near the dirty movies. Don't go. What's so hard about teaching the word of God so that the men can hear these things? And know so that, you know, whatever they're confronted with, they know, well, we studied the Bible and the Bible says this and wow, I'm not going to play with that. But you got these scaredy cat pastors. They call themselves pastors, but they're scaredy cats and they don't want to teach these things. Why? Because they know, they know that if they did, people would leave. And when people leave, you know what happens to their pocketbooks, you know what happens to their wallets, you know what happens to their bank accounts. These people are called hirelings. Run away from the hireling. It is not safe to be under the covering of the hireling. This is not pastor material. It is wolf material. It is Satan material. It is not godly material. You see? It's a bad covering. And pastors don't want to teach this. Because they know if I teach this, then these people will leave. Listen, if the people leave, let them leave. You're obedient to the Lord, pastor. People want to leave, let them go. I mean, you can't force anything on anybody. It can break your heart. You don't want them to go. But your fidelity is unto Jesus Christ. Your faithfulness is unto Him. You see? Pastors don't want to tell, you know, other pastors, elders, hey, man, guy, I love you. We are partners in ministry. I love you. But because you and your wife are one, one flesh, biblically, and your wife is psycho, sorry. The formula is not right. And when the formula is not right, it is not a safe covering for the flock. You see? And pastors don't want to say this, but they have to. They are called to. They must. You see? Even in this topic, so husbands ought to love their own wives, not this other guy's wife. You see? 
wife-swapping in fellowships. Disgusting, 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 and yet it happens. You see it a lot in the Hebrew Roots movement. Because where you see this heavy legalism, especially when it comes into, you know, the Hebrew Roots, you see it's very, very dangerous. If you're in the Hebrew Roots movement, you need to jump ship. Listen to our study through Galatians, all of it, even the introduction, you need to jump ship because that is a very dangerous covering. And you see all this wife swapping. A lot of the, not in the pews of the Hebrew roots, but at the pulpits of the Hebrew roots, a lot of perverts. Why? Because they like the wives and the concubines. You see? It's a trap. Servants of Satan at the pulpits. You see? Attempting to bring people into bondage, and for some, they're successful. But if you're listening and you're trapped in the Hebrew roots movement, you need to jump ship, leave. Listen to our study through Galatians. And then listen to our study through uh, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Because the law points to Jesus Christ. Abiding in the law, it is not safe for you. Husbands, in verse 28, are to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You see? Pastors. Pastors, male pastors, no female pastors can't touch this. The model is unholy. Male pastors, teach the men in your fellowship, the flock of God, not yours. Pastors, teach men how to die by your own example. Teach men. How to love their wives by your own example. Teach men how to surrender yourself, to surrender themselves for their wives by your example, pastors. Teach by example. Yes, teach the word. Apply the word, live the word, and exemplify the word. Be a Pattern, just as the Bible teaches that there are patterns to emulate. Paul was one. Peter was one. You see? Jude is one. And you must teach. It will be a repellent to the carnal. But few will see. Women pastors need not apply. I love you. I love you. If you're female and you want to call yourself a pastor, I love you. But you need to repent and step down because you're in the wrong and it is dangerous. You see? Oh, that means I got to leave the ministry. It means you need to leave that ministry. But you don't have to leave the ministry. It means you leave that specific ministry. Pastorals, pastoral ministry, elder ministry, always male. Covering, always male. But don't forget, Priscilla was a teacher. You see, she was also a tent maker. She was also a, a, a Proverbs 31 woman. Beautiful, beautiful woman. You see? Don't forget, powerful. But the formula must be right. 
A husband, you know, when you love your wife as your own body, that the Bible says, he who loves his wife loves himself. In verse 28, verse 29, for no one ever hated his his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. You see, this isn't worldly marriage counseling. Worldly marriage counseling says, well, wife, you got to do this. Let your husband do this. And, you know, oh, guys are guys. Guys will be, you know, boys will be boys. That's the world. This is the biblical model. This is the formula. In verse 29, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. You see, it's deeper than the eye can see. Deeper, deeper, deeper than the eye can see. He says this in verse 31, For this reason... For this reason, remember in verse in verse uh, uh, twenty nine, you know uh, 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 the, the own flesh of the husband. Verse twenty eight and verse twenty nine, the husband who loves his wife loves himself. In verse twenty eight, and we see in verse thirty one, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You see, this is straight up Old Testament. Old Testament, New Testament, the same exact words. Why? Because God never changes. For this reason, a man shall leave mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy, you say, bye-bye. And be joined to his wife, glued to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You see how powerful this is? Now, men, I love you. Husbands. I love you. But verse 31, being joined to your wife, being glued to your wife, becoming one flesh with your wife, this is impossible with mommy and daddy. Parents, I love you. Your kids are married. I love you, parents. But you need to get out of the way. So that verse 31 can be in play in their marriage. Parents, you need to get out of the way. Don't be a busybody. Don't meddle. You see? You're causing harm. If you're a parent and your kids are adults and you're in their marriage and you know they're married and you know you're meddling in their marriage, you're causing great harm. Because you're preventing the two becoming one. Many wives, it hurts me to say this. But many wives never become one with their husband. Why? Because ping pong stays ping pong. Peanut stays peanut. You see? But never forget the better husband of the better marriage. Many husbands today, many husbands today need to repent and apologize. Repent to the Lord and apologize to the wife. Why? Because at some point, it could have been last year, it could have been 10 years ago, it could have been 50 years ago. A guy says to a woman, will you marry me? But what he really meant was, will you marry me? Will you marry my mommy? Will you marry my daddy? Will you marry my brother, my uncle, my ex-wives, my ex-girlfriends? Many husbands need to repent before the Lord and apologize to their wives. Wife, I lied to you. 
I said marry me, but what it really was was marry me and mommy and daddy and my ex-girlfriends and my ex-wives and my uncle and my brothers and my sisters and this and that. And you, husband, because of your inability to submit to Jesus Christ, the real Jesus, not the fake one, the real Jesus, because of your failure to submit to him, And as he says, to surrender yourself for your wife. You never become one with your wife. The two shall become one. Husband, wife becoming one. Two becoming one. Not ten becoming one. Not wife and husband plus mommy and daddy plus, you know, ex-wife and ex-girlfriends and, you know, crazy uncle and crazy grandparents and crazy this. No, it's two becoming one. Not five becoming one. Not, you know, wife becoming one with husband and mommy and daddy. You need to cut that umbilical cord. Don't be a boy. No peanut, no ping pong. Don't be a boy. We, men, I love you, my beautiful brothers, but we, just as we see here in chapter 4, we see in verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Perfect man. You and me moving on to perfection. A perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children. You see, no more ping pong, no more peanut. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and be carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up, grow up in all things into him who is the head. You see, and what do we see in chapter five when we see in chapter five, like we studied last week in verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, a biblical truth. But what is the condition of that hit? Is it peanut? Is it ping pong? Is it tennis ball? What is it? With maturity is death. And with death, and I mean crucified with Christ. Now we see in verse 15 of chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Growing up, to grow up into all things into him who is the head. You see, we see it exemplified in Jesus Christ himself, the perfect example. You see? A lot of husbands need to apologize to their wives and also repent before the Lord. Because will you marry me was really... Will you marry me, mommy, daddy, crazy uncle, ex-wives, ex-girlfriends, and all the baggage that comes with that? You see, I'll tell you something that is very popular, very popular in the world and also in the church, but it is a lie from the pit of hell. And it is this. Family is everything. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. You know why? Because Jesus and only Jesus is everything. You see? 
Oh, family is everything. I, you know, sometimes I have these conversations with men, married men. Oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going out of town. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to Disney World. It's like I'm blessed. It's like, oh, this is so beautiful. You and your wife, you're just gonna spend time together. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going with, you know, crazy uncle and cousins and this. And I'm like, it kills me. It breaks my heart. Don't you like your wife? Don't you enjoy the company of your wife? Are the two not one? You see? Oh, but family's everything. Family's everything. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Remember Jesus Christ? Remember, you know, uh, follow me. Jesus Christ says, follow me. Oh, hold on. Let me go take care of my family. What does Jesus say? Oh, family's everything. Okay, I'll wait here for you. Family's everything. No, he doesn't say that. You know what he says? He says, let the dead bury their own. You see? Family is not everything to the Christian. Jesus is everything. You see? And what's so powerful is later on, when you read the Gospels in chronological order, what do we see? We see family coming to Jesus Christ. It's like, wow, you know, let the dead bury their own. Wow, that's hardcore. Yes, it is hardcore. But biblically speaking, Jesus Christ, everything is held together by him. He holds everything together. All things were made in him, by him, for him. We see that in John, Colossians. We see it all over the Bible. All things held together by him, in him, everything for his glory. Since that's the case, you think Jesus can't hold a family together? Family is not everything. That's a lie. Satan uses that as a trick, as a ruse to attract, to get you to leave the safety of Jesus Christ. Oh, family is everything. I got to spend time over here. I got to do this. Look, I got to spend time over here. No, Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. And you submit to him. And he holds all things together. Remember, the guy who almost murdered his wife in the course of time, told by a nurse of 40 years, 40 plus years, I have never seen a husband love his wife like that. How is that accomplished? It's only Jesus Christ. Intellect can't do that. Logic can't do that. I'm not saying, you know, to abandon those things. I'm saying to dethrone intellect, dethrone logic. You see? Husbands. Husbands. No more peanut head. No more ping pong. Let us lay aside those things which so easily ensnare us and let us move on to perfection. The fullness, the stature of Christ. And that's called maturity. Complete and total surrender to Jesus Christ. And also surrender for the benefit of the wife. You see? It's powerful. 
Very rarely will you see this in play. Very rarely will you see it. And it breaks my heart to say that. Very rarely will you see this in play in a marriage. It's very, very rare. But when you see it, it is beautiful. It is holy. It is exquisitely lovely. The loveliest of loveliest of fruit. And it is holy. But when you see that, you're also looking at pastor material. You see? And what do we see here in in verse 32? This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You see, this is for the church. This isn't like, you know, a marriage session, a marriage therapy session that the world has. This isn't like worldly marriage counseling. This is the Christian home. This is the Christian marriage. Yes, the wife in submission to the husband, submitting herself, which is a choice. But in the same manner, a husband submitting to Jesus Christ, which also is a choice. Jesus Christ never mandates submission. Husbands, you choose submission to Jesus Christ. If you choose the real Jesus, not the fake Jesus that says, let's go grave soaking. Not the fake Jesus that says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. That's satanic. That's demonic. But it's perfectly apropos for the last days. Because we know that prophetically speaking, many Christs will enter the scene. And many Christs are here. And it is a great mystery. To most. But not to a remnant. The Lord has revealed In these last days, this holy formula. You see? What marriages in Goshen need to look like in preparation for the last days. Paul says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That yes, in verse 31, a man shall leave his father and mother, mommy and daddy, bye-bye. And be joined, glued to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. There are major, major threats to the marriage today. Major, major threats. Yes, there's alcohol. Yes, there's drugs. There's drugs. Yes, there's the occult. Yes, there's, you know, uh, 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 things of the occult. But let's add to the mix. Mommy and daddy. You're telling me that mommy and daddy are like drugs and alcohol? If mommy and daddy are preventing two becoming one, then yes, it is a threat right up there with the whore. Right up there with the whore, the harlot. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. To my beautiful brothers whom I love. Proverbs chapter 7. Bind to your hearts. Bind to your mind. Bind these truths to your mind. Proverbs chapter 7. And not just my beautiful brothers who are married. 
all my beautiful brothers, married, unmarried, young, old, I don't care. Women to my beautiful sisters, bind these things to your heart as well so that you can train your children and teach your sons. Teach your sons. The son of your vows and the son of your womb. Just like the beautiful mother of Lemuel. We see here in Proverbs 7, verse 1, My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your hearts. Of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your nearest kin that they may keep you from the immoral woman. This is a major threat to men today. The immoral woman, the whore, the harlot. The strippers, the prostitutes, the pornography, a major threat to men today. Very apropos in these last days. Because you remember us saying, you know, when you see these things in play, if the formula is right in a marriage, you're looking at pastor material. Well, Satan knows that. And so what does he do? He sends his servants, the harlot, the whore, the prostitute, the pornography, the strippers. You see? But to the remnant. To the remnant of these last days. Men, women, young, old. Bind these to your heart. For the men so that we can apply it. To the women so that you can teach it. Training up the next generation of righteousness. Possibly even pastors. And what does wisdom and understanding do in verse 5? That they, wisdom and understanding, may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, you see? For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple. I perceived among the youths. Very interesting here. We see the simple. We see the youths. We see in verse 7, a young man devoid of understanding. You see this in the youth. The youth. I'll put it another way. The peanut, the ping pong. Youth. A young man devoid of understanding. You see? And yet the clarion call in verse 4, Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Call understanding your nearest kin. And what do we see in verse 7? A young man who doesn't have those. Devoid of understanding. You see? Passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot, translates as whore, and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. It's to lie in ambush. That's how it translates. So she caught him, you see? This is what happens. This is what happens to the young man, the little peanut, the little ping pong, devoid of understanding in verse 13. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. 
Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. You see, this is lust. And it is very selfish. Most men, many men, many, many, many men would jump at this opportunity without realizing that is it is a trap. Many, 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 many men would jump at this opportunity. Wow, look, you know, she's got her bed spread with tapestries, coverings of Egyptian linen. And look in verse 17, she has her perfume with, the, the bed is perfumed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. You see? And she is the one saying, come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. That ain't love, men. That ain't love. It's satanic. Many, 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 many men would jump at this opportunity. And those that do are young, the little ping pong, the little peanut, and also devoid of understanding. But not the remnant. The remnant knows. The remnant is awake. And the remnant are warriors. Look at what she says in verse 19. This whore, this harlot, for my husband is not home. She's married. My husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. This young man devoid of understanding. This peanut, this ping pong devoid of understanding. No maturity You see, youth, a baby. Babies are beautiful, but don't forget our study through 1 Corinthians. It's dangerous to be a baby. Beautiful, but dangerous. If you're a baby Christian, you've been a baby Christian for, you know, three plus years, very dangerous. You need to repent and yield to the word of God, yield to the spirit of the Lord. Because look what happens to this youth that is devoid of understanding. This young man who is devoid of understanding. Whoever he was, he didn't have a, he didn't have a mama like Lemuel did. Now look what happens to him in verse 21. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as the fool to the correction of the stocks or the shackles. Till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. You see, he didn't know that it would cost his life. Remember, he's a young man devoid of understanding. He is simple. You see? In verse 7, you see, he's among the simple, he's among the youths, he's a young man devoid of understanding. And he didn't want to say to wisdom, you are my sister. He didn't want to call understanding his nearest kin. Now look. Now look what happens to him. We see at the end of verse 23, he did not know it would cost his life. How could he know? When he doesn't say wisdom, you are, you are my sister. When he doesn't say understanding, you are my nearest kin. When he doesn't say those things, he wants to stay ping pong. He wants to stay peanut. And now he's dead. It cost him his life. In verse 24, now therefore listen to me, my children. 
And I say to you, people of the way, a remnant of these last days, pay attention to the words of my mouth in verse 24. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded. This isn't a strange game to her. This is her dangerous game. She plays it over and over and over. Remember, she's a harlot. She's a whore. She has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Past tense. Were strong men. You see? Now they're dead. Her house is the way to hell. Descending to the chambers of death. You see? That's a dangerous game. Very dangerous for the baby. We need to grow. We need to mature. We need to have biblical wisdom, biblical understanding. To say to wisdom, you are my sister. To say to understanding, you are my nearest kin. And this, the harlot, is a threat to every single male. Young and old, every single male. But in the married home, in the home where a, a husband is loves his wife like Christ loved the church and the wife is in submission to the Lord, yes. But in obedience to the Lord, also to her husband, not 100%. Remember the model, you know, 5%, maybe 80% and anywhere in between. But after 80%, it's not to say that it can never be 100%, but it's always 100% to the better husband. Because as we know that with maturity comes a different, a different play. Something else is in play. Let those who are married be as though unmarried. Not to go to the bars, not to be single again. You see? But to please the Lord. And yes, it is a great mystery. But as Paul says here in verse 32 of Ephesians 5, it is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church and the harlot is absolutely a threat to every male, young and old. But to the married men, yes, there's the harlot. Yes, there's the alcohol. Yes, there's the drugs. And yes, there's a whole bunch more. But there's two others. There's two others that could be added to the mix. And that is mommy and daddy. You see, mommy and daddy, it's two that becomes one flesh, husband and wife becoming one. You see, not wife becoming one with husband and mommy and daddy and crazy uncle and ex-wife and ex-girlfriends and, you know, all this and all that and the baggage that's implied. No, the biblical model where the formula is right is two becoming one. And it is a great mystery. But it doesn't have to be a great mystery. Paul knows the formula. He teaches the formula. And the formula must be right. And when you see this, straight up, you're looking at future pastors when you see it. And if you don't see it in your pastor, very possible that you need to jump ship because it's an unsafe covering. You see? 
A lot of times people, you know, I have these conversations with people that they're so brokenhearted, you know, oh, my pastor's gone crazy. The church is crazy. The pastor's crazy. They're, they're teaching this crazy doctrine. They're, it's not sound. It's what's happening. And they feel like loyalty is to a church. And yes, it is painful to see it happening, but it must happen. All of scripture will be fulfilled. It must happen, my beautiful friend. And if that happens, if you're in a church where it's no longer safe for you, you need to jump ship. Home fellowship, underground model. You see? And if you're male and you see this model in your home, you're in submission to Jesus Christ. The wife is in submission to Jesus Christ, yes, but to you as well. And you see this formula in play. It's very possible. It's very possible. I mean, make sure you have ears to hear because I wonder if the Lord will call you to pastoral ministry. The formula must be right. Now I say if you're male and you're married, but you know, if you're male and unmarried, you don't have the wife, you don't have the formula with the wife. Praise be to the Lord. You're like Paul. Paul says, I wish you guys could be like me, a single, so that he can please the Lord 100%. Rejoice. You need to grow. You need to mature. And it is quite possible. I wonder if you have ears to hear. And it's very possible that the Lord might call you into pastoral ministry. But the formula must be right. It's not just, oh, I want to do good for my community, so I'm going to be a pastor. Oh, you know what? I think I can teach. I'm good at teaching math, so I think I'm going to apply the same thing to the Bible, and I'm going to teach the Bible. I think I, you know, I want to feel good about myself, so I think I'm going to teach the Bible. No. The Lord must call you into this ministry, pastoral ministry. He must call you into that. But when the formula is right with you, men, men, when the formula is right with you, in your heart, in your mind, People will hate you. Absolutely, people will hate you because you're moving on to, to glory like in greater in greater degrees every day carrying your cross. But I wonder just like the Lord did in the days of Amos where Amos says, I'm no pastor nor the son of the... Uh, I'm no, I'm no uh, uh, prophet nor the son of a prophet. And the Lord says, Amos, you're my guy. It could be you. It could be. But the formula needs to be right. It's very, very holy. It is a mystery to some. It is a mystery to most. But to few, it's not a mystery. We understand that the formula must be right. And it is not concerning the world. It is concerning Christ and the church. In verse 33, in closing, we see this. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular, this is very interesting. Let each one of you in particular means some of you, not all of you. That's powerful. Because not everybody can grasp these things. In the course of time, you know, being ping pong or peanut, that's, that's very personal. Because Paul can't mandate, hey, 
Don't be pin. You you must eat like you are not peanut. You are not ping pong. Paul can't mandate that to a guy or to a woman. Paul can't mandate that. Oh, thus saith the Lord, you are no longer ping pong. No. But when a heart surrenders himself to the Lord, when a heart surrenders herself to the Lord, peanut is no longer peanut. Ping pong no longer peanut. Ping pong. We are together moving on to perfection, laying aside those things which so easily ensnare us, saying to wisdom, you are my sister, saying to understanding, you are my nearest kin. Understanding the threats in fellowship, yes. Understanding the threats in a marriage, in a family, yes. People say all the time, oh, family's everything, family's everything. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus is everything. 100% Jesus is everything. You see? He says in verse 33, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular, this is some, not all, not everybody's going to grasp this. In hearing this, some people are peanut heads and some people will stay peanut heads. Some people are ping pong heads and they will stay ping pong heads. But when you lay aside those things which so easily ensnare you, you know what? Ping pong, no longer ping pong. Peanut, no longer peanut. You're going to grow. You're going to mature in Christ. And some, not all, some have this understanding and some in having this understanding and yielding to the word and yielding to the spirit will do exactly that. Abide themselves into Christ. In particular, a husband. You see? Abiding deep in Christ. And when Paul says this in verse 33, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, this is very powerful because a lot of times in having these conversations with men, husbands, oh, my wife doesn't respect me. Well, why, brother? Tell me, tell me why your wife doesn't respect you. Tell me why she's disrespecting you. The majority of times, over 90% of the time, it's for carnal reasons. Oh, my wife disrespects me because of this and that. And it's carnal. Carnal. Remember, these are Ephesian saints. These aren't Galatians. These aren't Corinthians. These are Ephesian saints. You see a different level of maturity just based on the subject matter of which we're speaking of and studying and what Paul writes of. But at the same time, you don't see Paul referencing, you know, uh, 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 saints returning to the law or trying to achieve salvation through the law. You don't see the works of the flesh like you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is a different fellowship. Yes, saints, but more mature saints. You see? And we must understand that some behaviors, carnal behaviors, carnal behavior qualities are absolutely not respectable. And I say this to my beautiful brothers, men. Don't expect the impossible from your wife. Don't expect your wife to respect the 
unrespectable by your own behaviors. You see? Anger, malice, wrath, selfishness. You see? Pride, arrogance. Don't expect the impossible from your wife. Expecting her to respect the unrespectable. And I've had these conversations with men, husbands. Oh, my wife doesn't respect me. Well, what is it? And they lay it out. It's this. Well, let me tell you something, brother. I love you. And I don't want to hurt your little feelers. But I don't respect that either. That carnal behavior is unrespectable. You're expecting the impossible from her. How can you do it? She's not in the wrong. You're in the wrong. You're the one that's in the wrong. Oh, but my mommy says this. My daddy says this. There you go. Wrong formula. Two aren't one. It's your wife who is trying to cleave to you, but you're changing the formula. You want the wife to cleave to you plus mommy plus daddy plus crazy uncle plus ex-wife plus ex-girlfriends. That's the wrong formula. Oh, but my mommy says this. And look, she raised me and she did this. And look, I got this umbilical cord and it's nice and safe for me. And family is everything. No, family is not everything. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus is everything. You see? Don't expect the impossible from your wife, husbands. You see? Don't expect the impossible. Does Jesus expect the impossible from you? You see, knowing that we husbands must love our wives just in verse 25, just also, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Does he expect the impossible from you? All things are possible in Christ and through Christ, and he can do the impossible. But that's his business. Does he expect the impossible from you? Oh, but Peter walked on water. Peter walked on water. Absolutely, Peter walked on water. But don't forget, he also sank. (laughs) He also sank when he took his eyes off of Jesus. You see, you, husband, you keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And I tell you from experience, he can fix it all. He can fix it all. Remember the particular fellow I mentioned? At one point of his life, almost murdered his wife. At another point of his life, being told, I have never seen a husband love his wife in the manner like you. How does this happen? For this particular fellow, how does this happen? Behold the hand of the Lord. It is Jesus Christ. Word became flesh, and word is flesh. King of kings, Lord of lords, Son of the Most High. You see? And it's beautiful. The formula must be right. 
to the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.